Let's talk about Joseph in a fruitful life tonight. Genesis 49. Would you stand, please? Genesis 49. We're going to look at verses 22 through 26. It says, Joseph is a fruitful bow. I need to back up just a little bit. Jacob is dying here. Jacob is Joseph's father. And Jacob is bringing in all of his sons, and he's blessing them. It was a custom that might be a little different than what we're used to, but he would pronounce blessing and kind of make a prediction for their life of what he, he's predicting them to accomplish and achieve in their life. And we're not going to look at each one of his, his blessings on each one of his children because we've been studying Joseph. And so he gets to Joseph and he begins to speak about him, and this is what he says. He said, Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful branch, even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. It's a poetic way of basically saying, Joseph had a hard life. A lot of people try to attack him and abuse him. But he goes on to say, but his bow abode in strength. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, and blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of thy father hath prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. Meaning, Joseph is more blessed than my, my forefathers, Abraham and Isaac. And you, you could make an argument. That's so. And he says... Under the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be of the, on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. So clearly he's pointing out that Joseph has lived a fruitful life and Joseph is going to continue to produce fruit in his life. And by the way, that's so true, isn't it? We're still talking about this man's life and enjoying the fruitfulness of his life tonight. So how can we, we, we may never be a, a Joseph, but how can we emulate him? How can we learn from him? How can we be a little bit like him who was a lot like Christ? So let's look at that tonight. Heavenly Father, help us. I pray that you'd work in our hearts and our lives, produce fruit, Christ-likeness. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Appreciate you standing. Well, you've heard me say this before. Uh, Mindy in our home makes sure that we eat our fruits and vegetables so that we stay healthy. I make sure that we eat pizza and drink, uh, in Cincinnati we called it pop or soda, we eat pizza and drink pop so that we stay normal. Uh, it's good to have a wife that encourages healthiness and I'm thankful for that. I will admit to you, I, I personally, I know some of you will frown on this, but uh, I personally eat vegetables out of duty. I do not eat them because I love them. I eat them because I, I know you should. And I don't want the evil eye of my wife, so I, I eat them. Um, I would prefer fruit to vegetables. How many would, would, would agree with that? You, okay, I'm glad. Even if you like vegetables, most I figured would. Because fruit obviously has a different uh, taste to it. Fruit, I mean, imagine, just, you know, there, there's something good about, uh, tasty about fruit. I know for Christmas, Brother Zook gave my family some oranges. And these weren't just oranges you buy at Aldi. These, these were good, good oranges. And, man, we, we cut those up and put them out at dinner time. And, man, it was fun just to, 
I don't know about you, I like watching my family eat something that they enjoy, and usually it's not vegetables. I mean, they usually have a di totally different look on their face when they're eating vegetables, but like, you know, cake or something. But these oranges were so sweet and so good and so fresh and so juicy. Everybody was just, just eating these oranges. Do you love fruit? You know, the, the word fruit, the English word fruit comes from a Latin word, frui, which means to enjoy. And, that, and that's kind of appropriate for that word, right? Fruit puts freshness and it puts sweetness on our tables. In fact, when Paul described Christian character, isn't that the imagery that the Holy Spirit led him to use? He, he pictured it as the picture of fruit. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit. Of course, the product of the Spirit. But he used that word fruit, and we all think of that, that fruit. He says, this is the cluster that's seen in your life, like a, a bunch of grapes or bananas. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. He says, that's what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. That's the fruit. And, and it's that imagery of, of sweetness and freshness in our life. Why do we use that word fruit? Because fruit is the result on the outside of, a, of the tree of life on the inside. I, I like that. The Holy Spirit works in us and produces something outwardly in us. But, but I understand that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the result of what He is doing on the inside of us. Think about it. Fruit does not necessarily grow naturally. I know, I know it does, in a sense, grow naturally, but, but it's a lot harder to produce good fruit on a tree, right? You, you have to really work at it. You have to really work at the soil. You have to really work at the health of the tree to get it to produce this fruit. And you notice how in nature, similitudes in nature are very real. Weeds just grow naturally. And they'll grow in the cracks of your, of your driveway. They will grow in the crevices of your brick house. They will grow anywhere. I mean, you notice in the hot heat of the summer here, boy, weeds will grow in abundance. Grass and those kind of things and fruit. It takes some real effort to make. That's true in our own lives as well. Man, Christ's likeness takes some real work. You have to cultivate the soil of your heart. You, you have to keep the weeds out of your heart. You, you have to take care of things if you want to produce this fruit in your life. And the reason for that is fruit of the Spirit grows supernaturally. In fact, somebody said this, the evidence of Christ's influence in a life is shown in the fruit that that life produces. Think about that for just a moment. If we say, hey, listen, I'm a follower of Christ. I love Christ. I, I, want, to, uh, I, I want to do His will. Listen, the fruit in your life, that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc., that shows the influence of Him working in you. It's produced outwardly uh, from you. Chapter 49 then again brings us to Jacob's deathbed. All of his sons gather around and they're waiting to hear what he's going to say. You'll read if you study it that some of his sons, he pronounced some cursing on them for their bad behavior and their bad lifestyle and their bad choices. He kind of gets after them. And others, he, he blesses them. He, think about it. This father, had Jacob, had closely observed these boys for years. Now, I know at this time they're not boys, they're men, but to him they were his, his sons. And he had watched them. And I think about that. We, of course, have five children. And, and listen, I, I know the strengths and weaknesses of my children. I know them. I've observed them from the day, the day they came into this world. I've watched them. I, I, like Jacob, know their history. Unlike many of you, I, I know what they've gone through. I know what they're going through. I, I, I know where they are. I, I know where, where you might see their shortcomings. I know how they've, they've overcome some of those shortcomings and improved. I know their histories. I know their strengths. I know their weaknesses. I know their characters. 
And Jacob knew that about his sons as well. And now the Holy Spirit enabled him to project the lines of their personalities into the future and predict their, their future as a tribe of people. And so he gets to Jacob, and I love this description of Jacob. He says, you're like a fruitful bow, a fruitful branch. And truly, as we come to the end of our journey and our study, I think the 17th message or so here in the life of Joseph, no doubt we have seen that that's exactly where Joseph, what, what he was, is he was a fruitful man. No matter where he found himself planted, he was always producing fruit. If it was at home with his father, he was a fruit producer. If he was in the pit that his brothers threw him in, he was producing fruit. If it was in the prison or the palace, wherever he was, he was just a fruitful branch, always bearing fruit. He's a great example to us of a fruitful life. Think about it. The fruit of the Spirit, the very first one on the list is love. Think about Joseph. Backtrack on his life and see if he produced that fruit in his life. I certainly did. He loved his father, didn't he? Boy, he, he was very loyal to his dad. His dad would send him out on errands and you could be assured that he was going to do what his father wanted him to do. Oh, when, when, when he rose to power in Egypt and ran into his brothers, what did he do? Hey, go tell dad I'm alive. Bring him back here. I'm going to take care of him. He loved and honored his father. He showed that fruit in his life. But we also see that he showed love to his brothers. He loved his brothers. Remember, instead of executing vengeance on them, he fell on their necks and he hugged them and he, and he showed care to them. He showed long-suffering through slavery and in prison. He showed temperance and sexual temptation and vengeance. You understand that he was producing fruit in his life and we see it throughout the pages of his biography. So again, I ask you, I know it's a rhetorical question to a Sunday night crowd. Don't you want to have a fruitful and productive life? I know I do. I know it is on my prayer list on a daily basis. That's why Galatians 5, that passage means so much to me. It is a prayer that I have not by vain repetition prayed, but a prayer that I have prayed over and over and over again. God, I want to have a fruitful life. And I don't mean that in the sense of I want to have a lot of results in my life. Meaning this, I want to have fruit in my life. I want to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. And some of you might say, well, I saw one time, Pastor, you weren't very loving. Well, I'm sure you did. But I say to the Lord all the time, generally speaking, more days than not, I want these evidences to be seen in my life. I want there to be fruit in my life. Oh, how I want it. Oh, how I need it. And I think that you might feel the same way. If you have that desire, then let's examine the life of someone who had what we want. Isn't that what you ought to do? You see somebody has a marriage that you want? Hey, what are they doing? What do they have that I, I, I'd like to have? That? And maybe, maybe study that and pay attention to that. You, you see somebody that's raising kids like the way you would want to raise your kids, then pay attention to what they're doing. You see somebody has a Christian life you want, then pay attention. If you want what they have, pay attention to what, how they got what they've got. And I want to point out a few things to you tonight. Three observations of this fruitful life. Three observations of this fruitful life. Number one, notice this. A fruitful life has a surplus. A fruitful life has a surplus. Notice that Jacob is very des descriptive here, and he pictures, again, Joseph as this vine or this tree with branches. And in his imagery, let's read it in verse 22, he says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. So understand this imagery he's talking about. 
Imagine kind of a, a vineyard, a, a place, a, an orchard, if you will, and there is a wall that's hedged around these trees for protection. You want to keep animals out. You want to keep uh, thieves out. You want to keep uh, property lines clear. And so he's built this wall, and it says that Joseph is like this tree that's producing fruit and has all these branches growing, and they're growing. They're, they're so heavy with fruit, and they're so long that they're growing over the wall and hanging down. That's what he's saying. And what he's, what he's teaching is, when you have that, it's growing over the walls of the orchard and it's hanging down. And so that means people who are passing by are able to just kind of snatch an apple off of the branch. That's what I see here. Uh, around this area, snatching a peach off of the, off of the branch. And I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, this, this peach tree in, 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 in peak season producing wonderful peaches in, in, in a beautiful time of the year. And it's just hanging over, low hanging, so you can reach it and you can grab it. And it's right there in front of you. You just reach up and snatch one and just, just eat it right off the tree. That's the imagery. He says that's what Joseph's life was like. Everybody has eaten from the fruit of his life. Everybody else has been allowed to enjoy the fruitfulness of him. And that's so true, isn't it? Let's backtrack and study his life again in a snippet here. Do you remember when he was in Potiphar's house? Potiphar basically just turned everything over to Joseph and said, hey, you manage it. And remember, Joseph, by his very testimony, said, hey, there is nothing that my master has given me. The only thing that he's withheld from me is his wife. He has given me access to everything. And Potiphar knew that was a smart move because the Bible says that, that Joseph prospered there. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Now we'll get to that in just a moment, but here's this man, Potiphar, who was a wicked man, an ungodly man, and not a believing man, but yet his household was blessed because this fruitful man was now living in it. You think about Joseph when he was in the depths of the prison. He did the same thing. He became a manager and an overseer in the prison. And the prison was blessed because of his fruitfulness. Then he ascends to the highest office in the land. And the kingdom was blessed because this fruitful bow hanging over the wall was there. And I want to tell you tonight, not only were those places benefited from Joseph's life, think about it. What are we doing here all of these thousands of years later? You and I are still eating fruit off of the fruit of his life. How many of you tonight, just by way of testimony, have been blessed some way or fashion by the life of Joseph in your Bible study? Absolutely. Incredible life. Can I make this statement to you tonight? Fruit is produced to be eaten. That's the kind of deep stuff you get with me. <laughs> Fruit is produced to be eaten. In 2011, a study was taken and Americans ate 273 pounds of fruit per person. I just, again, that's a very kind of duh statement, but I want you to think about it. Fruit is produced to be eaten. Fruit does not produce fruit for itself. Again, I know deep stuff, but think about it. Apple trees don't eat their own apples. We eat their apples. And I want you to know tonight, spiritual fruit is produced to feed other people around us. We, we don't produce spiritual fruit in our life to say, I tell you what, I've done it. I've done it. No, no, no. We produce spiritual fruit in our life to be a blessing to other people. I mean, think about those fruit of the Spirit. Don't you think that there are people within your sphere of influence that are starving for love? Don't you think we live in a world that's dying to have some joy? 
Don't you think that we're living in a world that is longing for some form of peace? Don't, don't you think that uh, we, we're living in a world that is totally inept in the area of temperance? And so when they see it in somebody else's life, the, the point I'm trying to make is whatever God is producing in your life, he's producing that in your life so that you can be a blessing to somebody else's life. And I'm telling you tonight, where are they going to get these things? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Where are they going to get these people uh, except if they get it from people who know Jesus? You might not think, but I'm telling you there's an office space, there's a factory, there, there's a neighborhood that's, that's longing for these things, and where are they going to get it if they don't see it in your life? Somebody said this, I, I like this little statement, these are those little quips you, could, you can jot down and keep with yourself. Somebody, it's not original with me, but I, I like it, I'm going to make it my own. Be a fountain, not a drain. And isn't it so true? I think I used that not too long ago. There are some people, they just drain you. Whenever they're around, their negativity, their, their ugly outlook, their sinfulness, it just drains you. Listen, I don't want to be that in life. I want to be a fountain. I want to be, I want to be like Joseph. I want to be able to produce so much fruit in my life that the branches bend over and, and they reach down where people can just pick it off and say, man, that was a blessing. That's what I want. And I'll tell you, the more people around here that are producing fruit in their lives like that, the heavier that fruit's going to weigh on those branches, the more people can eat from it and be blessed by it. I want all who enter the doors of our congregation to, to leave here going, man, that was, God, what, a, what a sweetness that was there. What a freshness was there. What, what an invigoration that was there. Just like those good oranges around my dinner table. I, man, there was something sweet and wonderful about that. May all who enter our, our ministry leave here knowing that there was a fruitful life of surplus here. Enough to go around. I want you to also see here, a fruitful life has a sturdiness. Has a sturdiness. That's what he says there. He says in verse 23, But the archers have surely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. You know, sometimes we think that fruitful people are the way they are because they're lucky. I think we do that sometimes. I think mean, we certainly do that about people's marriages. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, boy, you just got lucky. Man, you got lucky. You, you, I mean, boy, you, 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 you found a good one. As if there was no work or effort or labor that went into that. They certainly do this with children. Oh, Lauren, I, I sure hope you get lucky. I hope you don't give birth to a demon child. You win the lottery. Hey, let, let me just help you. I don't mean to discourage you. They're all demon children. And it's our job to evangelize those little heathens and then train them. So if you see somebody that's got a, a well-trained child... They didn't get lucky. They've worked at that. You know, you look at somebody that's got a spiritually fruitful life. Oh, they just, I'll tell you what, boy, they're lucky. Boy, they, they, I mean, they just, they, they just, they just, everything just seems to work out for them. <laughs> really, is that how it worked for Joseph? I mean, that guy just, every time he turned around, something good was happening to him. I mean, he, he was a disciple of Kenneth Copeland. Something good is going to happen to you today. No, I mean, it seemed like every time he woke, every time he started, things started going well in his life. It, it all seemed to implode on him. 
People taking shots at him. In fact, here's what he says. That's what Jacob was pointing out. People purposely were aiming at Joseph. Purposely trying to take him down. In the Bible, arrows are sometimes an image of, of telling lies. Sometimes they're an image of, of hateful words. I'll read an example from Psalm 64. It says, Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even their bitter words. You ever had somebody shoot at you? I guarantee you we all have. Joseph was definitely shot at in his life. Did not his brothers take aim at him? Oh, here comes that dreamer. We'll show him what will come of his dreams. Potiphar's wife, she, she shot at him, didn't she? He tried to violate me. Look what he did. And she was lying the whole time. You could go on and on and on about his life. People took aim and took shots at him. But I want you to notice something about Joseph. His, his fruitful life had sturdiness. Notice that he never shot back. I saw this quote. I liked it. It said this, Get even with the people who have helped you, not the people who have hurt you. I thought about that. I like that. Get even with those that have helped you, not those that have hurt you. Sometimes our tendency is want to get even with those that have hurt us. But you know what? I like that, getting even with those that have helped you. Mean, meaning this, I, man, they helped me. I want to help somebody else. I want to do what they did. I want, to, I want to do a good thing and not a bad thing. Isn't that what Joseph always did? Isn't that what he did to his brothers? He, he was always helping people. Man, listen, Joseph had to face the arrows of disappointment, discomfort, and discouragement when he was in prison. And listen to me, listen to me. Life is not always going to be roses. Life can be really hard. And there are going to be people who take shots at you. But if you're living a fruitful life, it'll have a sturdiness to it. Thick, strong branches that don't easily break. And how many people are littered in this town? I'll never darken the door of a church again. And they, 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 they blame God because of the sinful actions of some person somewhere. Listen, every one of us that's been in church for a long time has been hurt by somebody in church. But listen, don't ever blame the Almighty God for that. Listen, have some sturdiness about your faith. My faith was never placed in man. It was placed in God. I want to be able to see in the ups and downs of life. Hey, listen, you may be able to see the weariness on my face sometimes. Maybe you see me dragging through the halls and something burdensome and heavy on me, just like anybody else in this room. But I'm telling you tonight, I hope that you say, man, the ice storms have come and the winds have blown. But then there's a sturdiness to him and there's a sturdiness to believers in this room. That's exactly what a fruitful life will produce. He had to fight pride when he was promoted. You know, most people can handle adversity a lot better than they can handle prosperity. Joseph's a great example of it. He had to face bitterness when he's looking right in the eyeballs of his brothers. Boy, he was a sturdy man. Uh, again, I, I want to preach a little bit tonight. It's safe to say that a good portion of people sitting in this room are experiencing difficulties in some way. Because I don't know everything that's going on in your life. You don't know everything that's going on in mine. But it's very safe to say that there's somebody in this room tonight and you're struggling professionally. You've got to wake up tomorrow and go to a job that's just a struggle to you. You're going to have to face somebody in the office that's just a problem to you. There's somebody in this room that you're struggling relationally. Maybe you're having trouble with in your marriage. Maybe, maybe you're having trouble with one of your children. Maybe you're having trouble with, with a neighbor. or just some kind of relational issue that's going on in your life. Some of you are struggling domestically. Some of you are struggling physically. You don't feel well. Some of you are struggling financially. 
And in fact, some of you are thinking, I've checked every box you've just mentioned. (laughs) What I'm trying to encourage you about tonight is how you respond will determine how fruitful your life is going to be. You see, superior living will bring superior blessings. There's an author by the name of Irving Stone, and he spent a lifetime studying great people and writing biographies about them. Stone was once asked if he had a a common thread that runs through the lives of all the exceptional people that he had written about. Here's what he said. I write about people who sometime in their life have a vision or a dream of something that should be accomplished, and they go to work. They are all beaten over the head, knocked down, vilified, and for years they get nowhere. But every time they're knocked down, they stand up. You cannot destroy these people. And at the end of their lives, they've accomplished some modest part of what they've set out to do. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying in a secular way, the people that produce a lot of fruit in their life are the people that have some sturdiness in their life. They don't have any quit to them. You can't throw them down and keep them down. They're like what the Bible says, the just man falls seven times and rises again. There's a sturdiness. Let me show you the last thing tonight, and probably the most important thing. A fruitful life has a source. Did you notice this when we were reading? it's, it's, It's very key. I hope you caught it when we were just reading. He says, Joseph is a fruitful bow in verse 22. Even a fruitful bow, did you catch that right there? By a well. It had a water source it was tapping into. There was a reason it had this surplus. There was a reason it had this sturdiness to it. It was by a water source. You, you understand spiritual fruit is not something we can produce ourselves. Think about that, guys. It is called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Christian. It's the Holy Spirit working in us to produce these things that we by ourselves would never produce on our own. These graces of character, they are not developed from our own efforts. You see, our own efforts, what they do is they produce cheap imitations of the real thing. And I don't know about you, but there are some things I just don't appreciate imitation of. You know, I... Listen, my wife is a Proverbs 31 lady, and so she's always trying to find good deals. But listen, I, I, I don't have any room in my life for, for imitation Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I rarely get Pop-Tarts because I told you about fruit and vegetable lady over here. But, but listen, <laughs> I don't have any room for those generic things. Those are imitations. And that might be a weak illustration, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, There are a lot of times in our Christian life we put on this facade, we put on this this front of our own making, and it's just a cheap imitation of what only the Spirit can produce in our life. So the well is the key to survival. It's the key to productiveness of of this tree or this vine. And that's why Jesus, many years later, would stand and teach these verses that have meant so much to us in John chapter 14. Abide in me, and, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. See, he's the source. Can I submit to you tonight that the reasons for so much barrenness in the lives of Christians is that they spend more time in the world 
than they do by the well. We see in Joseph's life, Joseph's life, he was a man who stayed connected to God no matter where he was. I want to give you his words from Scripture. You remember when he's being tempted? A young man, far away from home. A young man made of the same stuff any young man has ever been made of. And a woman laid her hands on him and tempted him and said, Hey, come lie with me. Nobody's at home. Nobody will ever know. I won't tell if you won't. Come away. Lie with me. What did he say? How then can I do this and sin against God? What was he doing? He was staying by the well. In prison. In prison. He's just doing his thing and doing what he's supposed to do. He has no hope of getting out. And, and somebody came to him and said, I've had a, I've had a dream. I, I wonder if you could help me. And what did he say? Do not interpretations belong to God? He finds himself promoted in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh says, I, I want you to, I've heard you can interpret these dreams. Help me out, interpret this dream. And here's what he said. He said, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Years later, his brothers would stand in front of him and, and, and they were there. And what was he going to do? Would he execute vengeance that most people would have said very reasonable to do? I mean, his brothers are all practical purpose were scumbags. But he looks at them and says, God sent me before you to preserve you. In every turn, Joseph is connected to the well. He's abiding. That, that, that's what that phrase means, abide in me and I in you. It means stay connected to. Don't live your life disconnected from God. Stay connected to Him. No matter what age you're, your teen years, your college years, your, your young married years, your middle-aged years, your senior years, stay connected to God and you will produce fruit. See, that's the point the text is making. God was the one that had delivered Joseph. God was the one that sustained Joseph. God was the one that blessed Joseph. And He would be the key to all of Joseph's future blessings. So tonight we've got to make up our minds. We can't just sit in a pew and say, you know what, I want to be a fruitful person. I want that fruit you're talking about. Yeah, low-hanging fruit. You're never going to have it trying to hit your root system to this world. This world's crazy and lost its mind, and you know that. You think you're going to produce Christ-like fruit tapping into its supply? It's, content it's broken cisterns is what it is. It's wells without water is what it is. Stay plugged into God. We need to, we're talking about higher ground this year. We need to resolve to live by the well. I don't want to live any other place but by that well. Because I know that well is the source of all my blessings. It's the source of the product of fruit in my life. And anytime I get away from that well, I wither up and I dry. Let's be like Joseph. Let me ask you some questions tonight. Do you desire to have a more fruitful and productive life? I think so many of you do. I think you really do. I think, I think you're nodding your heads. You're saying amen in your heart. You say, yes, yes, I want that Christ-likeness. Listen, I think so many years I've heard preachers talk about a fruitful life and they were talking about results. Oh, I want to have a fruitful ministry. And they're talking about more people sitting in the pews and more souls being saved. Listen, those are wonderful things. They're wonderful things. But that's not fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is Christ-likeness. Don't you want that? I think so many of you do. Don't you want to be a Christ-like father? 
Christ-like husband, a Christ-like mother, Christ-like wife, don't you? You want to be a Christ-like teenager? Well, then answer these questions. Are you a fountain that's giving to others? Or are you a drain that's always taking from others? Are you a victim? Or are you a victor? This America has perfected the victim mentality. Listen, none of us in here have any reason to start playing the victim. We, sh- we are overcomers. Hey, you don't know what I'm going through. You're, you're probably right. I'm not trying to diminish what you go through. But I know this. If Christ is working in you, no matter what you go through, you can be fruitful. And I think the last question is the most important question. How connected are you to the well? Maybe tonight you're sitting here and you're thinking, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I just kind of, the ways of the world are calling and beckoning. I'm getting distracted. I'm just, I'm over. Hey, listen, tonight would be a great time for us all to just say, hey, I want to be by that well. Oh, the clear, cool, wonderful water that comes from that well. Every time I'm near it, I'm refreshed and it produces something in my life. Joseph was a great example of the fruitful life. I know that the hero of every story is really Jesus, and Joseph was a great example of Jesus. And so let's see Jesus in, in, in Joseph. But let's emulate Joseph's life as we study him. Let's be fruitful like him. And I hope when my, when my life is over, I think it would be a wonderful testimony if people said, you know what? He produced a lot, so much fruit, other people were able to eat off of that. You know what, I, I watched him go through hard stuff, ups and downs, ins and outs. I watched him in the good times and the bad times. You know what, he just, just seemed to produce fruit. But you better be able to say, the reason for that, oh, there was a well. It's constantly feeding that. What about your life? What about your testimony? Let's the Lord help us tonight.